Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, recently completed an around-the-world journey with his family and, as usual, uncovered evidence of both victories and defeats when it comes to an individual's freedom to worship God as his or her conscience dictates. Lincoln, you were supposed to be having a vacation, but I know you, in a previous program, you said at one point you were sitting in Parliament in Australia. You need to take a vacation from your vacation. Share with us some of the things you saw on this so-called vacation of yours. Well, normally on a vacation to Australia, you mostly see a lot of ocean waves and and storms at night. That's true. And sleep a little bit, and it seems to go forever, although I've become used to it. But it's about a 14-hour flight from Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And over the years, when I've talked to people about going to Australia, most people say, oh, yes, I'd like to go. (laughs) But too expensive, which it's not. But too far, which it might be. Uh, and so as we headed off on this, uh, I, th- I thought I'll, I'll do what, for my children what my father did for me, take them on a bit of a round-the-world trip. So we go one way and come back the other. Well, that meant stopping in a few extra countries. And the first stop was Tahiti. And it hadn't improved in the 20-some years since I was there. And I remember one night when we were watching their equivalent to a uh, Hawaiian luau where they uh, dance all of the traditional dances and so on, I thought it's not helping them that their origins, tribal and inter-tribal warfare and all the rest, are celebrated still in the dances, very uh, violent and sensual at the same time. Mm-hmm. They're sort of frozen in time because we drove around a lot on the island. I walked a lot and talked to people. I don't think they have a great sense of spiritual presence there at the moment. Mm. You know, with the French influence, of course, they were heavily influenced by Roman Catholicism, but, you know, I hate to say it, but around the world, as I look at countries that had a strong Roman Catholic influence, it's been uh, negative for their national life. It doesn't lead to strong individualism. It doesn't lead to a higher standard of life. And Tahiti seems to be bearing the brunt of this a lack of religious and national identity. Hmm. Hmm. So in that regard, it was not the grand beginning to our holiday that I thought. Did things pick up after that? Yes. We went to New Zealand. You know, New Zealand is a little like Canada for those in the northern hemisphere. You know, Canada's an open, very pluralistic neighbor to, uh, to the United States, and New Zealand functions that way with Australia. And I saw increasing evidence of a great international diversity of immigrants coming in from all over the world, and incredibly, an awful lot from the Middle East and from uh, uh, Indonesia even. I saw much evidence of vital religious faith, not just Christian, but particularly Christian. So it was encouraging in New Zealand to see, I think, a change for the better in in a country that, when I was a little kid, New Zealand was a backwater, (laughs) mostly Scottish and, and, and Irish settlers. Very self-absorbed and not outward-looking. The country's changed. Are you saying that the acceptance of immigrants uh, is helping New Zealand as it is in Canada? Yes, I think that the immigrants are helping. New Zealand is very, I hadn't realized, very actively reaching out and encouraging people to come there. Hmm. And, of course, with that, there was the usual complaint from some New Zealanders that the government helps them too much. Of course. But I think 
they do have very uh, liberal policies to encouraging people to live and worship in this country of the long white cloud, long I think we used to call it. Well, that's good news to hear that that's actually working. So what did you see next? Well, we're in Australia, and maybe I shouldn't say too much about Australia. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of biased in that regard. You know, one good thing for the U.S. to say about Australia is that the Australian Constitution was very consciously modeled after elements of the American Constitution, mm-hmm. most particularly in the religion clause, guaranteeing freedom of religion and the separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, at times, it's troubling to see how secular the culture in Australia is, but I saw no evidence of people turning against religion mm. other than one thing, and it's an unfortunate thing. While I was down there, the top cardinal for Australia, Cardinal Pell, Roman Catholic cardinal, who uh, had a long and influential history in Australia, but had recently gone to Rome to be a financial assistant to Pope Francis, he is under indictment and had to fly back to answer charges not of badly administrating uh, sexual offences, but to face personal charges for his own actions. And at the same time, I read a study that analysed the priesthood in in Australia, and in some orders, the uh, abuse rate was 40%. Oh, oh, that's not good. So, you know, yes, from the point of the Catholic organization, religious freedom might not be doing well in Australia, but I think religion, while it should be free, you know, people should be allowed to freely practice it. Under the guise of your doctrine or your uh, secrecy of your organization, religion should never be given a pass to uh, visit any sort of an abuse on the general society. No, absolutely not. So I, I, you know, I thought this was a progressive move. You know, there's a lot of talk in the U.S. about the different clerics, not all of them in the Roman Catholic Church, mm-hmm. but, you know, clerics that are sweeping these sort of things under the rug. But here in Australia, they were really acting on it. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, it was, it was attention-getting. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay. And what's next? I'm enjoying this trip very much. Where do we go next? From there, we went to uh, Thailand. And I've had some good visits in Thailand in the past, and and I wanted my kids to see an exotic Southeast Asian country. And, and Thailand is vigorous and energetic and same time modern and traditional mm-hmm. and overwhelming. Bangkok is about 10 million people and wow. just sprawls in every direction. It's mesmerizing to see the activity there. And I must say, I've always admired Thailand because, as I pointed out to the kids as we flew in, and again, on these super jumbos and on a good clear day with a smooth... You're on like on an ocean line or the yes. grand and stately, not even the clouds ruffle you. You look down and you can pretty much see the individual countries. And we were flying by Laos and Cambodia and Vietnam, countries that have had a lot of trouble. It's been a very tumultuous area. But here in the middle of it all, and on the other side of Thailand is Myanmar, still not out of the woods totally. But Thailand has been an island of stability for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons is the common loyalty that people have to their ruling family. The King of Thailand had just recently died, and everywhere we went there were banners and pictures, and affirmations of loyalty to the crown and so on. But beyond that, I think what's given them a degree of stability is their Buddhist faith. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a Buddhist, never will be. <laughs> but I think here's a faith that's been relatively true to itself, 
very little connection between Buddhism and, and hatred of, of others and violence toward the state or other people. Buddhism gave them an element of stability during a, a very tumultuous time. And of course, the isms of communism and capitalism created problems for other areas. But it's almost apocryphal to suggest it, but I think that film, The, the King and I, mm-hmm. sort of underlies part of the secret of how they escape troubles. They've had an enlightened leadership and, and, a, and a sense of tradition and religious values that have protected them. Now, other religions do flourish, and we visited, and I'm sure you have yourself in the past as part of the missionary culture, we visited the Adventist hospital there in Bangkok, oh, yes. Oh, yes. and on the Sabbath went to the church. I'm not sure it's their uh, gravy days, but still, they're, they're not under any persecution well-respected landmark of that part of the city and and doing a service to represent Christian faith in a Buddhist culture. Mm -hmm. Well, it's always good to hear that uh, there are countries, and even hearing you say that, I'm thinking, wow, I I wish that we could be like that here in this country, but we're facing other kinds of problems. So off we go. Where do we go next? Well, next was Dubai. (laughs) My, there's a jump. Yeah, and and I knew that this was not sort of the middle of the Middle East, but I'd hope to give my children a little taste of the culture with Islamic values and that part of the world, you know, because Dubai is right there on the Persian Gulf, Yes. right next to Saudi Arabia, Qatar, across a few miles of water, there's Iran, just behind that, Iraq. I mean, that's not the center of the world, but it's the center of a lot of the action in the world. Yes, it is. Moment. Yes, it is. And it was overwhelming to go to Dubai and, and to see the massive architecture, the uh, just over-the-top consumption of, of cars and mm-hmm. <laughs> all sorts of luxuries. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I look behind a few of the doors and you can see the real life. Mm-hmm. But still, as a, as a package, it's an amazing presentation of the temporal aspirations of the world today. You know, what money will buy and the and the prestige that money will buy, and of course all the glitterati were there. But the, the one thing that did impress me, while you can go to some Muslim countries, and, and I've been to Indonesia, for example, a number of times, and elements of Islam there I find troubling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the megaphone calls to prayer that scream at you, even, yes. <laughs> even when you're not inclined to be part of the movement. I didn't see any of that in Dubai. Our hotel was right next to a mosque, and, and I walked past and looked in, and, and, and it was attractive to me. It was very low-key, deferential, and so it, it probably was very good to me as someone living in America at this time of panic after 9-11 mm-hmm. to see a, an Islamic country that is practicing its faith, probably, according to Saudi Arabia, not too good because you know they're not the hard and austere yes. Muslims of some other areas in Dubai, but... I saw respect for religion and not flaunting it, not a lot of these full burqas that I find somewhat intimidating, mm-hmm. but a clear identity as an Islamic country. So, you know, I thought it was good for my kids to see that because it's easy to get from the media the idea of the howling hordes of an Islamic country mm-hmm. as the other, yes. which they are theologically, but we shouldn't look down on people just because they have another faith. 
it was good to go to, to Dubai. It sounds like you're saying that in this trip, in those countries where religious freedom was accepted and respected, those countries themselves seem to be doing better. You can go online and see the uh, Western expats moaning about some of the restrictions in Dubai, but it's hardly a religious police state and very tolerant as long as you don't flaunt some of the uh, aspects of your behavior that might be offensive morally to Islam. It's a very open and easy place to live in. In England, where we were, mm-hmm. I was taken aback and humbled to near one of the great cathedrals, I think Winchester, to see a little plaque off to the side that said, on this spot, three people, and it named them, were burned for their faith, mm-hmm. burned at the stake. There's always a price for religious liberty. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a wonderful take-home message. Our time has flown by, and I want to thank you, Lincoln. And I'm glad you're back. www.libertymagazine.org is the website. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, has been our guest today. Thank you very much, Lincoln. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Lincoln Steed, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. Today.